stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Brynick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about deja vu in investing. So a lot of things right now here in 2022 are reminding me of the 1970s. And it's not necessarily just the inflation, but a lot of other things that are happening in the investing world. So in the 1970s, there were actually two oil shocks that many researchers now attribute to the inflationary spike that did occur during that decade. So the 1970s and inflation was widely studied for the last several decades by uh, economists, people in academia to try to figure out how did we get there with those inflation rates and maybe how we could avoid it in the future. But several of the academic papers I've seen trace it back to the joint oil shocks. Now, many people don't remember that there were actually two oil shocks in that decade. Many of us, even if you were born way, way after the 1970s, still have some understanding that there was the Arab oil embargo that decade. So that was in 1973. And the price of crude actually went from $20 a barrel to $55 a barrel in that first shock. But there was a second oil shock in that decade when the Iranian revolution happened. And that was in the late 1970s, 1979 into 1980. Remember the uh, Iran hostage crisis um, late in that decade where our embassy officials, the American embassy officials were held hostage over there in Iran. And so the price of oil went from $55 to $120 by the end of that decade. But even taking out energy, other commodities also soared, as many of us know, including gold. So I have several personal remembrances from that era, even though I was pretty young at the time, I was just a kid. But gold was so hot that I distinctly remember my parents starting to spend like basically every Saturday afternoon in the local area jewelry stores. <laughs> so that's how we spent our time in the late 1970s. And I even took out some of my savings and bought a gold ring because it was so hot. And it was, this was like the thing to do. It was like an investment at the time. I think it, it cost me about $75, which actually was quite a bit of money back then. I don't know how I managed to save up $75 as a kid. Uh, just for comparison's sake, our local movie theater charged a dollar to go to the movie theater. So $75 was quite a bit. I still have that ring. Uh, but basically, 1979 was the peak pricing for that ring. I bought at the top. Um, but I wasn't alone. Many people did. And so we're kind of back to some of these things, even though gold isn't soaring quite like it did at the end of the 1970s. It's still in the conversation right now. Many other commodities, including copper, um, even silver's on the move, aluminum, nickel, all of these are surging. On the investing side, many people got caught up in that decade in energy. So my dad was just starting to invest in the 1970s. He had 
uh, a young family. He had some extra cash. So what was the first stock he bought in the 1970s? It was mobile oil. So he jumped in on the craze, right? Um, a lot of people did. And it, mobile was separate from Exxon at that time. I, I did a, like a Google search. This is why Google is an amazing invention uh, that we could just go on the internet and search for you know the archived articles from an era 40 years ago. So I found a really good article in the Washington Post from 1980 talking about kind of everything that was happening in the energy industry. And that article even just gave me deja vu. You could almost swap it out to what is happening right now in energy. And uh, you could think if you didn't see the dates and some of the valuations in it that that it was written today here in 2022. So in 1980, Mobile was the second largest oil company in the U.S. I didn't see in the article who was number one. I'm thinking it was probably Exxon, actually, um, or maybe Chevron. One of those two was probably the largest. But Mobile itself in 1980 was the second largest. So um, just to see what they were doing in that decade. I tried to find as many sources as I could about mobile because that's the stock my dad bought. So I was interested to know. So I did find some data from the first oil embargo. So mobile in 1972 had profits of 574 million, um, the earnings $5.65 a share. In 1973, as that crude price surged on the embargo, uh, they saw 849 million, so a nice jump there, and $8.34 a share. So you can see in the early 70s, things were going pretty good for the oil companies, right? But then it uh, kind of normalized there in the mid 70s, but energy still the place to be. And then by the Iran revolution, when crude prices spiked again, to new all-time highs. I mean, $120 a barrel back then, that was huge. Mobile went from 1978, they made $5.34. In 1979, as those crude prices rose, they made $9.48. And they had profits that year, 1979, $2 billion. So remember, 1973, $849 million, but $2 billion by 1979. And the um, I saw this return on average stockholders' equity. It rose to 20.8% from 13% in 1978. That was its all-time high for that decade because in 1974, it was at 17.3%. So you had like these two surges in the energy sector during those years. Um, you also had uh, the stocks got super hot, obviously. Um, Exxon itself separate from mobile but exxon at that time period split its shares two for one in july 1976 but they also split again in may 1981 so just five years later they were splitting it again that's how hot it was during that time period so a couple other things from that very interesting washington post article uh gasoline was surging by the late uh, 70s because we had the high inflation, you had that Iranian revolution, you had crude at $120. So gasoline surged to $2 a gallon during that 
really high inflationary period. Uh, that that may sound cheap today, but remember this was this was 1980, two dollars a gallon, uh, and then Congress was apparently moving towards a new windfall profits tax on the oil companies by 1980s. How familiar does that sound right now? But this was a $227 billion windfall profit tax. Exxon in 1979 took out a full page page ad in 328 newspapers to announce that they were gonna be spending 6.6 billion in energy spending for 1980 because the pressure from the politicians up on Capitol Hill was getting very loud that not enough was being done to drill more. Again, how similar does this sound? Um, Several of the oil executives were just called up to Capitol Hill here in early 2022, in April 2022, to discuss why uh, they were making all this money. Why aren't they drilling more? And there has been some talks of this windfall profits tax already on some of the energy companies. So I did not realize that uh, Congress was moving towards that back in the day and that the energy companies were under these kinds of attacks. Now, Mobile actually issued a 40-page report in 1979 talking about all of its energy spending. And yes, it was making these record profits, but it was also uh, reinvesting it into CapEx. And it also tried to argue that there were many other industries that were had higher margins than even the oil industry had and that they should not be singled out for that. Now, also an interesting thing about that Washington Post article is that it talked about mobile's earnings, which soared, but if you recall, or maybe you don't, there, uh, mobile had so much money in the late 1970s that it didn't know what to do with it all. Even though it was doing uh, you know, share buybacks, huge dividends, all of that back to shareholders, it still had extra cash, so they bought a retail chain. Yes, this is another sign of the top, however. So Mobile bought Montgomery Wards. Some of you may remember that name. It's kind of, it was like a JCPenney or a Kohl's of its time in the 1970s. So they bought Montgomery Wards, but by 1979, profits fell 50% in 1979. That was the huge inflationary year. The retailers could not keep up with inflation, so their margins got crushed, even though the U.S. consumer was actually spending at the time. But uh, the spending didn't really matter because the costs were going up so fast. And so when you read the article, it talks about how they got hit because of the 50% decline in the profits from Montgomery Ward, but it was such a small percentage of the overall business and that uh, it was something like 100 million down to 50 million was the profit decline for 1979. So um, it didn't really impact the year, but interesting to see the retail side uh, put in there with energy. So, um, so that's what was happening in 1980. And another thing to keep in mind is that the energy component in the S&P 500. So it went from 7% in 1972. So just as that embargo 
was coming on. And by 1979, it was 22% of the S&P 500. This is why my dad was jumping into mobile stock, right? Because everybody was by 1979. That's a bull in energy. That's what, this is what happens. By the end of 1979, oh no, by the end of 1980, it had jumped up to 28% of the S&P 500. So just a reminder that in uh, 1999 tech was about 30% of the S&P 500. And currently in 2022, I think it's at like 32% of the S&P 500. So technology is now the largest uh, sector, but energy, when it does these bulls, tends to see these big gains because everybody starts diving in. So where do we stand right now in 2022? So in October 2020, during the year of the pandemic, uh, energy stocks fell over that summer of 2020, even though people were thinking there was the reopening was kind of happening after the first initial lockdowns, but people were getting pessimistic there that summer that uh, it wasn't going to be this spectacular reopen. So crude prices still struggled and the energy stocks continued to fall. Nobody wanted to own them that summer into the fall. So by the end of October 2020, energy stocks were less than 2% of the S&P 500. It should have been a, uh, you know, a flag raising when a sector gets that low, that hated that could be approaching the bottom. So a bottom it was, and now currently energy is 4.2% of the S&P 500. So it's off those less than 2%, but even with the big gains we've seen in the last 16 months since the vaccine was announced, that's when the energy stocks started to rally in November, 2020. Uh, it's still only at 4.2%, still pretty hated, I might say. So if you watch Jim Cramer on CNBC, he's talked about this, about how low the energy stocks are as a percentage of the S&P 500, because he's been around a while too, and he might be remembering the 1970s as I am here today. So he thinks that it's going to get up to about 15% before this bull in energy is over. So we're at 4.2 to get to 15 is going to take quite a bit more rallying. But remember, in 1972, it went from 7 to 28% uh, at the end of 1980. Um, also, uh, the weight actually fell in 1981. So by the end of 1980, that was basically the peak. It was at 28%. It might have got to 30. I, I've seen a lot of articles where they said energy was at 1.30%. Um, but by the end of 1981, the energy stocks did finally sell off. The rally was over after all the uh, name, uh, you know, people who were on the sidelines got pulled in at the end of the 1980s. They finally could not stay on the sidelines anymore. And then that's when you have the sell off and then energy went into another bear market. So in 1979, energy stocks were up 68%. And in 1980, right at the end, they were up another 83%.
And that was after years of a rally. So you do get these huge gains right at the end as the bubble expands. You have a bull, then you get a bubble as everyone is pulled into it. And then you get uh, the crash down and you enter that secular bear market, which energy did. So from 1980 to 1999, energy did 9% a year gains if you stayed in it and you just owned the sector. So that doesn't sound too bad, right? That's the bear, 1980 to 1999. And 1999 was the end of that secular bear. But Remember, the S&P 500 during that time did well over the 9%. It was doing like 18% annualized or more, even in the 1990s, over 20% annualized. So you underperformed by a lot in the 80s and the 90s if you owned during that bear market. But we did enter into another bull there in 1999 through 2008. I've talked about that bull in the past, and I'm going to mention it a little bit again um, in a few moments. But I just wanted to cover what happens in these kind of secular bull markets. And if you look at where we are today, now that I just talked about like mobile's earnings, what they were doing during parts of the 1970s, I took a look at ExxonMobil because Exxon did buy mobile at the end of that bear market, actually, when the bull was beginning again. I think they bought them, what, in like 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. So it's been a while since they've been combined. Uh, But in 2021, their revenue, $285 billion. 2022, expected to be $332 billion, up 16% on the higher um, crude and natural gas prices and chemicals. Remember, Exxon is a huge chemical company as well. And then it's got the gasoline side, too. Earnings expected to be up 61% here in 2022 to $8.66 from $5.38 in 2021. So these are also shades of what happened in the 1970s, obviously when the price of oil surges. This is their business. When it surges, so do their earnings. And it surged twice in the 1970s. That's not unusual. We also saw that in the 1999 to 2008 uh, bull market where crude got down to around $10 in like 1998, that was the bottom, and then surged all the way up to Brent was at like 150, WTI at 140. In um, the late of, or in July of 2008, So just before or just as the financial crisis was hitting is when that peaked. And in there, uh, there was, you know, several rallies among those years in there, uh, similar to the 1970s. Now, here we are in 2022. We have not seen a new record high on WTI, but WTI has retaken that $100 level because of the Ukraine war. There was... Uh, a shock, so to speak, to 
the energy markets here in 2022. So similar to the 1970s, this is why it's giving me deja vu, there were these uh, geopolitical and, you know, shocks to the energy markets. And we are seeing one of them here again, uh, you know, in 2022. And after a multi-year bear market, when there has been underinvestment in the industry, that is also true of the energy markets in the 1960s, it was underinvested. So when you got to the 1970s and you had those shocks and then demand was still surging, you were already in place to have the higher energy prices. So a lot of things are very similar here. So the mom and pop investors usually come in at the end, way at the end, uh, and then you could get a commodities bubble kind of situation like we had in 2008, the fertilizer prices and uh, gold, several things surging in 2008. So if you go back and look at the commodities charts then, it's uh, similar, they move in tandem, but uh, we're not, at 2008 not yet and that's why i think there's still a lot of room to go in this uh energy bull so think about how many energy ipos there have been in the last few years can you can you think of any <laughs> there's been a couple that have come public but not many right that's true of any uh bear market in any industry. The huge number of IPOs we saw in 2021 and the SPACs were mostly in technology growth name type of companies. Um, you know, the info technology, fintech, biotechs, all of those kinds of areas, um, you know, consumer based companies, not in energy or even many in the industrial area. So usually in bull markets and as you're getting towards the end of bull markets, that's when you see a lot of capital come into an industry and you see uh, demand for these energy IPOs and all of that will be happening when we get towards the end of this bull market. And I know what you're thinking, like, Tracy, it's different this time because we have the climate change issues. We have electric vehicles, you know, gasoline cars are over. They're going to be dead in a couple of years and we're all going to be just charging with electric. And that may be true, but that is still several years away and demand is still driving this industry right now. So I don't believe there's going to be a change in the cycle, this uh, bull uh, run that we're having, but uh, there may not be another bear or bull. <laughs> the industry may start to widen down after this bull, but this bull is still going to happen similarly to the prior bulls as we're seeing it play out right now. Also right now, Think about what Warren Buffett has been doing. He's been moving new money in. So a sign that we're in a bullish cycle in energy is when the money, the big money does start to come in. So over the last couple of months here in 2022, Berkshire Hathaway has taken an even bigger stake in its Occidental Petroleum position. OXY is the ticker there. They've added $6 billion more to this position. 
So Buffett was in his 40s in the 1970s. He was, you know, at his prime. He remembers it all too clearly. And I hope he talks about it at the annual meeting that's coming up here in May. I'll be tuning in. I hope you do too. He knows what is coming. So he's loading up, right? Occidental, ticker OXY, as I said, it's trading at seven times. Its revenue is expected to rise uh, 23% here in 2022 to $32 billion from $26 billion. Earnings expected to be up 212% to $796 from $255 last year. The dividend is yielding 0.9%. They are doing probably some buybacks. I didn't look into that, but everybody's doing the buybacks because they got these huge free cash flows. There might even be special dividends uh, with many of these. So you can't just look on Yahoo Finance or wherever else you're looking at the dividend yield because with uh, many of these, there's uh, special dividends that do not show up correctly on there. Um, Another thing, ExxonMobil, what's its dividend? 4.2%. They are pricing in all of their dividend in that in that yield. So I didn't I didn't hear that Exxon was doing any kind of specials, but they have that very juicy dividend still going on there at Exxon with that 61% earnings growth expected this year. So um, yeah, Buffett knows what's going on, right? Then uh, you also might want to tune into Jeff Curry. He's Goldman Sachs head of commodity research. He's been on CNBC a couple times here already in 2022. That's where I keep seeing him. But if you Google him, you'll find his interviews on YouTube. And he is talking also about this cycle. And he's talked about how the new money doesn't come in for several years. So in the 1970s bull it really started in 1968, and then the new money did, did not come in until the mid-70s. And that's when you started to see more of the drilling engage, more spending on CapEx, and then you have these announcements from Exxon by 1979. Yes, we're spending $6.6 billion. We're spending the most ever on, on exploration because all the money has come in by the end. Similarly, he said the money came in in the 2000 bull market by about 2003. So the bull was already running for several years, came in by about 2003. And then uh, you had the end in 2008. But that's when the more drilling was going on across the industry. Right now, we don't have the increases in CapEx. We're in the early period here. So that's also reminding me of the 70s but the early 1970s because of all the reasons i just laid out including the 4.2 percent in the s p 500 right and energy still hated even more so than the early 1970s when it was also hated and the early 2000s when it was hated um but still even with the rally from uh, in 2021, best performing sector, and with the rally here in 2022, best performing sector on uh, the market, still most people are not in energy whatsoever. So where should you be in energy? So I still love Exxon, you know, just stick with the what's working, stick with the big players. You don't have to be a genius as John Blank here at Zaxx always talks about. So as long as you're owning something in energy, then you should see um, 
you know, you should partake in the bull that's going on. So there's Exxon, there's Occidental, which I mentioned that Buffett's in. Uh, I believe Berkshire Hathaway still owns some Chevron, ticker CVX. That's also paying a nice big dividend, 3.4% yielding there, just trading at 11 times. Now, remember, if uh, you get the energy CEOs being called back up to Capitol Hill again, like they have already been one time in 2022, it's likely to be the big oils. It's going to be the ones that have refining, that operate the gas stations, because uh, you know we have $5 a gallon gasoline prices and everybody's complaining about that. So that's Exxon and that's Chevron. It's also Marathon Petroleum and you know the others that you fill up your car at. So those guys are gonna be called up to Capitol Hill. Some of the other energies as we get deeper into this bull market may ultimately be called up there as well, but there's just gonna be more heat on some of the ones that have the gasoline stations. That's just the nature of the beast and that's just how politics works. But um, the other explorers and producers are also seeing record free cash flows and paying it out in buybacks and, and special dividends, but they're just not in the eye as much. Uh, people don't pull up to them at the gas station and see it at the you know Exxon pump the same way. And a couple of those that I like, I've talked about them in the past. Again, don't be a genius. Buy the um, companies with the best balance sheets, right? That's what you want during a bull market. So Pioneer Natural Resources, PXD, is one of those. It has the best balance sheet in the industry. It drills in the Permian. You'll see its CEO kind of out there making statements. He's kind of a spokesperson, I want to say, for the producers a lot of times, especially at big oil conferences. You'll see Pioneer kind of front and center because they are so big, but um, they have that low debt. So I love them. I own some in my own personal portfolio and I own them in the value investor here at Zacks. Dividend is yielding 2.2%. That's the regular dividend. They are paying big special dividends right now. And they're also doing some buybacks. So keep that in mind. Pioneer Natural Resources, PXD. Uh, Another one I like, EOG Resources. Also in the Permian, EOG is the ticker there. Great balance sheet as well. Dividend yielding 2.5%. Also doing specials and buybacks. So uh, that's another one. I know you're going to take a look at some of these. You're going to look at Exxon, Oxy, Chevron, Pioneer, EOG, and you're going to be like, Tracy, they're all at their highs. I I can't buy on the highs because how much more does it have to run? Um, But I'm still buying on the highs because low valuations and we're in early innings of the bulls. So if you do get any kind of 5% pullback in the um, energy industry as a whole, we will get some weakening, especially as WTI trades back down under 100. If you get those kind of conditions, even Jeff Curry at Goldman Sachs thinks that those are buying opportunities in the energy names, and I do too. So I know that also sounds weird. Hey, it's just a 5% pullback. That's nothing. But with these huge share buyback programs going on, 
The companies themselves will move in to buy the shares on any kind of weakness. And it's kind of putting a floor, especially under the smaller companies that are also doing share buybacks. So some of the energy companies are doing 10% of their float. So those guys are going in on any kind of weakness. So it's very difficult now here in 2022 to get those 10% or 20% pullbacks just because of the buyback programs. And um, everybody's looking to buy on the dip now, less so than last year. Also, another thing I'm looking at just as a sign of like sentiment. So it's not a science whatsoever, but I do look at how many people are following certain stocks on StockTwits. StockTwits is the Twitter for stocks. If you're not on it, you should go check it out. It gives a lot of uh, good or interesting, I should say, information about stock tickers. And it's kind of a fun community to go over there and talk about earnings when the earnings reports come out, talk about you know moves in the shares, uh, what's happening when insiders buy, all that kind of stuff. So you can, um, again, check by tickers and you can follow some of those tickers so that on the app, you have a, your list of uh, stocks you're following. It'll just show up on there and you can watch them every day. Now, again, it's not any kind of science, but I do like to see how many people are following certain industries uh, as a check on popularity, let's just say. And just doing like a basic comparison. So obviously the FANG stocks are the mostly followed. The popular ones like Tesla mostly followed. Amazon has 504,000 people following it. So they've got it on their app and they're tracking it every day. Exxon, which is one of the biggest and one of the most well-known has 76,000. And that, that's it right now, <laughs> 76,000. But some of the smaller um, energy companies have even less than Exxon, which is one of the big guys. Um, so I kind of look at this as a sentiment. I like it that it's not popular. That's what I mean by being in the early stages of this new bull market. Despite it being the best performing sector last year in 2021, and also this year in 2022, Still, most people are not in this trade. And that's very bullish for me, who is a contrarian investor and a value investor. And that also indicates to me that we're in the early innings. And I like to look back again at, you know, when my dad bought the mobile, I want to say it was like 1975 or 76. So energy stocks had already been running during the Arab embargo, those years before that, before he got in. And so that's common. Again, the retail investors, those of us, mom and pops, we get in much later in the cycle. So I'm waiting on the 13 Fs to be filed for the first quarter here in 2022. Those are the forms you file with the SEC uh, if you're running a hedge fund, for instance, or Berkshire Hathaway has to file them about its stock portfolio. What are the trades that were done in the first quarter? What did they buy? What did they sell? How many were entering into the energy trade after what happened in 2021? Have, were there any other than Berkshire Hathaway buying more Occidental, which we know happened? 
Um, I don't know. I'm waiting and we only have a couple more days here until most of those 13 Fs start coming in. But are we going to see a rotation into what is one of the smallest sectors in the S&P 500 and hated because of ESG reasons um, and, you know, electric vehicles, climate change, all of those things. But will the money start rotating in? Um, I'm not thinking it's going to in big amounts, not quite yet, but it'll be interesting to see as we move forward here in 2022, and especially after we get some of these earnings reports, which will see record-free cash flows in this first quarter, simply due to the prices of natural gas and uh, crude being at multi-year highs, not all-time highs, but definitely multi-year, and these Energy companies, because of the bear market they just went through, are what I like to call lean, mean fighting machines now. They have good, innovative technology, and that's cut their costs. And they're able to get the crude and natural gas out of the ground at a cheaper rate than, you know, back in the 1970s or even back in the early 2000s. So that's also in play with the energy stocks here in 2022. Um, Just to recap the stocks I talked about again on this episode, in our flashback look to the 1970s, there was Exxon, which is now combined with mobile. That's the one my dad bought in the 1970s. Um, By the way, he did not hang on. I don't remember when he sold it. I think it was in the 1980s, probably after it declined quite a bit, right? It's hard to sell your big winners at the top. But ExxonMobil, now a combined company here in 2022, and certainly one of the biggest of the energy companies, ticker XOM. Then we had Occidental. That's what Warren Buffett is diving into, OXY. Chevron, ticker CVX. I think that's still in Berkshire Hathaway. They were adding the last time I looked. Um, but a lot of people owning in the Chevron with the nice dividend, CVX again is the ticker. Pioneer Natural Resources, this is the one I own, and I own it in value and my own personal portfolio, PXD. It's just a producer, no refining or gas stations. And then EOG Resources, also a producer, no refining or gas stations with them either. EOG is the ticker there. You can also buy uh, the ETF. There's just the XLE that's been outperforming, obviously. That's the entire industry. Or the exploration and producers, you can buy just those guys. These are the drillers at the XOP. And as always, you want to be sure to subscribe so you never miss a Market Edge. We are on Apple Podcasts. I know many of you are getting it over on Apple and we're on Spotify, but you can get us at in many places these days, but make sure you get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified 
identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.